We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Faith. 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 What is faith? You know, what is it? Have you ever tried to describe it? Try to give a definition to it? What is this? And then the question then is, do you have faith? Most people will say yes. On a scale of 1 to 10, where is your faith? How much faith do you have? Are you working your faith? Because in order to get it to work, you have to work it. You see, everything in our life, I, I preached a few weeks ago how when God created the earth, he put all the seeds in the ground, but he withheld the rain because there was no one there to work it. God will not waste his resources. God has already put inside of you and me all the faith we need to live this life, abundant and victorious and as conquerors. But if you are not willing to work it, he will not let it rain. Well, not let it rain. So faith is one of those abstract things. It's hard to comprehend. It's even harder to measure. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So we know that if you have no faith, Well, it's impossible to please God. So in order for any of us to please God, we've got to have some faith. A little bit of faith. Enough faith to say, I believe that God exists. Not everybody will say that. There are some people today who are saying, God does not exist. There is no God. They will not please God. But if you have enough faith to say, I believe that God exists, then that is the beginning, the genesis of a seed that can begin to please God. Because in order to accept God as your Savior, you must believe that He is, confess your sins, believe that He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us of our sins. That's that's a lot of faith, right? Because we can't, See it tangibly. So I've had people through the years tell me, say, Pastor, I'm an abstract thinker, and I still don't understand faith. I've had other people tell me, I'm a concrete thinker. So this faith thing is really hard for me to perceive. Well, we're going to do this because it has been proven that it takes 30 days, 30 days to start a habit. You must do something for 30 days before it becomes a habit. In order to break a habit, you must stop for at least 30 days. So for the next 30 days, I'm going to give you a challenge for all of us to increase our faith. Yeah. Romans 10, 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. So today, you are positioning yourself to hear a message. And by hearing that message, your faith can begin to grow. It comes by hearing. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. How many know that faith needs to be fed? 
So then I'm going to give you some faith food. We can feed fear. We can also feed faith. This verse, I was reading it as a young Christian, and it grabbed me, and I have not gotten away from it since. Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched their eyes, and he said, According to your faith. Everybody say that out loud. According to your faith. Now make it personal. According to my faith. According to my faith, let it be done to you. And I read that and I thought, what? So this intangible, abstract element of serving God, pleasing God, called faith, it can be measured. And I determine how much I have. It's not determined by God. It is not determined by mom or dad or grandpa and grandma. It is not determined by the pastor. It is not determined by my spouse if you're married. It is not determined by your friends if you're not. It is determined by you. It is determined by me as to how much faith I have according to your faith. So you can have a little faith and be content. Or you can say, I want more faith. Because the greater the problem, the greater you need of faith. We obviously need to understand first and foremost that faith takes work. It doesn't just happen. Some people think, oh, well, you just get it. No, no, no. You got to work it. You got to first believe that God is and that He exists. You believe Him, you accept Him as Lord and Savior, and now you have to take this faith and you have to work it because God will not waste His resources. He will not let it rain in your life in faith if you are not willing to work. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that's the verse that everybody goes to for the definition of faith. What is it? Well, this is it, Pastor. Because if it says faith is, how many of you are a lot of math nerds in here? It means faith equals whatever follows. So faith is confidence, faith and assurance, and it's not in yourself. I love that. Aren't you glad? It's not about me. It's about I have assurance and confidence in God. Hallelujah, he does it, he doesn't fail. And, and we have this faith. So let me tell you what faith is not. Because sometimes in order to know what something is, we have to know what it is not. So faith is not optimism. I want to be optimistic, don't you? Ever been around pessimistic people? Ugh. Well, you know, well, it's going to be horrible. No, it's not optimism. Optimism is a wonderful thing. But faith is not optimism. It is not positive thinking. Hey, listen, I can put you in sub-zero degree weather without a coat and you can positively think and be optimistic all you want to, but guess what? You're going to be cold. Yeah. It is not wishful thinking. How many of you are old enough to realize life does not turn out like you think it will? So it's not wishful thinking. We have to understand that faith is more about expectancy and what do we expect God to do I believe that God is greater he is bigger 
He is stronger. I believe His Spirit lives in me. And the same Spirit lives in me that raised Jesus from the dead. So if He can raise Jesus from the dead, it can quicken my mortal body. It can help me develop and have greater faith. Psalm 32.8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Isn't that wonderful? So God has this life planned out for me. Jeremiah 29.11 says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb and all this, He said, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans for you to have a hope, and plans for you to have a future. The only thing that aborts God's plan in my life is me. So if I'm not living the life that God planned for me to live, whose fault is it? Mine. I made the wrong choices. Either I didn't have faith and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, or afterwards, I did not listen to the counsel of God's Word. Because God said, I will counsel you in the way you should go. I will teach you how you should live life. He has his loving eye on you. Isn't that awesome? I could just stay, sit right there and just meditate upon that all day long. He's got his loving eye on me. You see, I was raised with this theology that if I did something wrong, God was ready to go, Aha! Caught you! Going to hell! What? That's what I thought. I was scared of God. I did not have a reverent fear. I was scared. And God goes, I'm a loving God. I love you. I've got my eye on you. But you still have to make the right choices. You can decide how much faith you have. And you can decide if you will walk in my counsel, walk in my teachings, and, and receive your best life. Or if you're going to decide to go over here. But understand... We are the ones to make those decisions. Remember when I talked about this cycle of circles? That what goes around comes around? What goes around? You want it to bless you in your future? Not come around and bite you. Every decision we make, every step we go, it's either going to be a blessing, it's going to come back and bite you, one or the other. We reap what we sow. God has plans. He's got his best life for you. He has his loving eye on you. And so today, to start this faith challenge, now listen, I'm about to say a few words, and some of you are going to go, up, oh, got this, heard this, sleeping, with my eyes open, don't, don't do this. I'm about to tell you something that can change your faith. And not only you, well, just wait. How many of you have ever heard this story about David and Goliath. Raise your hand. That was my favorite bedtime story. My mom had a book about this big. It had the big old pictures in it. My favorite story. And I thought I had seen everything that could be ever to see. I've heard preachers preach on this hundreds of times. And the other week I was reading through this and God just said, boom! And maybe you've already seen it. I hadn't. It just, have you ever had God just illuminate that scripture to you, just blow your mind? David and Goliath. So you know the story, Goliath, nine foot tall plus giant, comes out. He's a representative of the Philistine army. We've got the Israelites over here. There's a valley between them. And this guy comes out and challenges anybody. And he calls them dogs. 
and their God's a dog and all this. I mean, it's just some nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. And the Israelites are over here and they're scared to death. And this guy named Jesse sends his little boy David, who's a shepherd, about 12 to 13. He sends him to his brothers with some food at the front. And David gets there and this, this giant guy, Goliath, comes out and just calls them dirty dogs and send something out. And, and David's like, are y'all listening to this guy? Is anybody going to do anything? But what had happened to the entire army? They were fearful. Fearful. Gripped them. Paralyzed them. And so you know the story. He goes in there and the king tries to put all his armor on. He's like, I, it's too bulky. I don't know. I know one thing. I have a sling. I know how to use it. I've had a lion and a bear come against me. And I, I, can, I think I can do this. And can you imagine all these adults going, seriously, dude. This is not some little lion and some little bear. This, this is not some little foe you got here. And so they're looking at this giant. He's too big of an adversary. And I've heard it preached. I love this line. I love it when preachers say this. Uh, he's, they said, he's too big of an adversary. Uh, we can't take him down. And David goes, he's so big, I can't miss. I can't miss. I, I cannot miss this guy. He's so big, I cannot miss him. And then David begins to, oh, just watch this. Faith honors God. We want to honor God, don't we? Our faith in our Father begins to honor God. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 46. I love this. David said to the Philistine, he's talking only to the giant, he said, you come against me with your sword and your spear and your javelin. Big deal, buddy. That's nothing. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Woo! I come against you with the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And then look what he does. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. That's some serious smack. This day I will give the carcasses. I'm not just going to kill you. I'm going to give all the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Because up until this point, the whole world is saying, Israel, where is your God? Now David is in the Old Testament, right? He doesn't, no, nobody said, hey David, let me give you some schooling on faith. David just knows what has happened in his life. Now see, you don't need to go and hear about everybody else's life. You just need to know about your life in order to have some faith. David goes, listen, I, I know what God can do. Because I've been right there and had the hot breath of a lion. The, I mean, I felt the claws of the bear. And God delivered me out of those. And if God delivered me out of those, God's going to deliver me. You see David's faith growing bigger and bigger. I mean, he didn't start out with Goliath, but he built up to Goliath. It honors God. David expected God to deliver him. 
Faith is expectancy. Here's what I expect to happen. David expected to later that day defeat the adversary, cut off his head, and have the entire army fed to birds and wild animals. This dude has got some faith. I'm not talking about New Testament. I'm talking about Old Testament. I'm talking about while it's still under the law. David had a relationship with God and he had a revelation of who his father was. He had a revelation of what God can do. And he says, listen, you come against me, but I'm telling you who I'm coming against you with. My God, my King of Kings, my Lord of Lords is going to fight and he's going to deliver me away from all of you and all the things you're defying my people with. Now listen, this is important. David knew how big the enemy was. He was not in denial of the situation. I'm going to preach against some of your theology here for just a minute. If you've got cancer, it's okay to say, I got cancer. Don't deny the reality of a situation. I've heard of this theology going around for you. Oh, I can't even say it, Pastor. Because that's just, no, no. You can say it. My marriage is in trouble. My kids are not serving God. I need healing because it's okay. I believe we need to come face to face with the adversary. Don't deny it. David said, you're a big dude. You're coming against me with shield, spear, and a javelin. I understand that. But, however, I have a greater expectancy of the outcome of this situation. I believe we can admit I have this adversary, but we don't stop there. I have an adversary. However, I have a father. I have a God who will deliver me out of this situation. I have a God who can heal my body because by his stripes I am healed. I have a God who can heal my marriage because what God has joined together, let no man separate. I've got a God who can take my children and help them find their way back because he promised me if I train them up, they will not depart. I have a God that says I'm going to provide for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I will meet all the needs of your life. I have a God who says I will fight for you. I've got my loving eye on you and I'm not going to let anything destroy you according to your faith. Your faith. David's faith was awesome and it honored God. And David wasn't just quoting a bunch of scriptures. I've had a lot of Christians who are looking like parrots. They can quote all the scriptures, but they have no faith and do not believe that God's going to do anything. They just know to quote the scriptures. Well, I'm glad you know the scriptures, but you've got to add some faith into that. You've got to work this thing. You've got to pray and expect God to do something. You've got to expect it according to your faith. The lack of faith dishonored God by the Israelites. It dishonored him. He's like... I, I can help you, but you got to work it. You can't sit back here and expect me to go out there and do all the fighting. No, you got to work it. You got to get up and go, well, we don't have anybody like that. There was one. Watch this. William Carey said, expect great things from God and you will attempt great things for God. That's David. 
William Carey was a great missionary to the country of Africa. He attempted great things. Why? Because he expected great things. If we don't expect God to do anything, guess what we're going to attempt? Nothing. But if we expect God to do great things, guess what? All of a sudden your faith will begin to have you help doing, attempting something big. I'm going to attempt to do something big because I expect something big. Or I'm going to attempt something small because I'm just expecting something small. But it's according to your faith because expecting releases attempting. I'm not going to attempt it if I don't expect to have a good result. I'm not going to bungee jump if I don't expect those cords to keep holding on to my feet. Right? We put more faith in bungee cords and parachutes than we do the word of God. We put more faith in our cars. We go out and crank them up and take off 70 miles an hour down the interstate. We put more faith in our houses. We put more faith in Pokemon than we do the word of God. Our kids know more Pokemon than they do word. Our parents know more about the world culture than they do the word of God. No wonder our faith is small. We don't attempt much because we don't expect God to do much. Listen, PCA, it is time for us to become sons of God, not children of God, but as a son of God, I'm going to expect my dad to show up and fight my fights on the battlefield, and I'm going to work it. Hallelujah. Faith overrides fear. It goes beyond our senses and it takes us into supernatural thinking. Faith has confidence, assurance. It honors God. Number two, it increases my ability. Yeah. David's faith increased his ability. David's strength and his accuracy was increased because of his faith. This guy was not going out there, well, I hope I hit something. Well, I got wishful thoughts that I hit something. Well, I'm optimistic because the wind's not blowing very hard today and and there's a good high pressure cell over me. I'm kind of optimistic that this might turn out okay. No, David said this. I will deliver you into the hands of these animals. I will cut off your head. I will, I will, my God will, my God will. Why? Because David's abilities were strengthened and enhanced because of faith. Today, if you begin to step out of the boat and walk on water, you will attempt something while everybody else is still in the boat and God will give you the ability to do it as long as you keep your eyes on God. If David would have been running in the middle of this going, oh, wait a minute, oh man, I should, what am I doing? Oh my goodness, I shouldn't be doing this. This is crazy stuff. Everybody's back there going, he ain't gonna make it, he ain't gonna make it. Don't look, don't look, don't look. He, what if he would have second guessed? Ah, am I really, God, God, are you sure? No. Every step he ran toward the adversary. The Bible says the church storms the gates of hell. We do not let hell storm us. We are offensive, not defensive. And our faith will get our ability increased. Number three, it encourages others. Everybody else, until David got there, was scared to death. 
Read the story. I'm not going to have time to do this all today. Read the story. David goes out. He slays this giant. He gets his sword. Cuts off his head. Holds it up. Then what does the entire nation of Israel do? They start shouting. And they have not even said a whisper up until this point. They start shouting. I don't know what they shouted, but it was loud. Some people say, why do preachers shout? Because I feel this inside of me. Some people may say, why is it so loud in church? Listen, the generations that came before us were way louder than we are today. I don't know why all the old people say it's too loud. Hey, y'all are the ones that started this bunch. That's the way you knew it was a Pentecostal Assembly of God church because it was so loud. Preachers shouting and spitting and you can't understand what he's saying, but it's all good. Y'all started this. Now all of a sudden, don't go, we gotta keep it quiet. No, when somebody's faith honors God, everybody else ought to start shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, God is delivering us, God. And not only did they shout, they started running toward the enemy themselves. The enemy saw, whoa, wait a minute, our, our giant, our champion's dead. They started running away. All of a sudden, Israel, the entire nation, shouting, picking up their swords, their spears, their, their bow and their Hey, we can do this. Because one man had faith and attempted something great, all of a sudden now, their faith rises up and says, if little David can do it, little punk David can do it. We are trained soldiers of warfare. We certainly can do it. And they got all their armors and all their, their sword and they ran toward, and the, and the Philistines, what did they do? They ran in the opposite direction. And guess what happened? That day, the entire Philistine army, their bodies were offered up to the birds and the wild animals. Why? Because somebody had faith in God, not themselves. They honored God by doing something, and then everybody else thought if they can get something from God, if they can do something awesome, I can do something awesome too. Let us attempt. And so they ran after, and they were successful. Why? Because their faith rose by somebody else's faith. Has anybody else ever encouraged you by their faith? You ever, you ever seen them walk through the valleys of, of all these adversaries and they do it with such grace and honor and they come out on the other side and they're, they're shouting hallelujah, praise God, look at what God has done in my life. Then all of a sudden my faith rises up. Somebody else's faith goes, hey, wait a minute. I remember this scripture that if God will do it for you, he'll do it for me. He has no respecter of his kids. What he loves one kid, he loves the other kid. He's got his loving eye on you. He's gonna show you, tell you what to do. If you listen to his counsel, walk in his ways, he has a best life plan for you. Hey, wait a minute, I'm tired of the devil always winning. I'm tired of addiction winning. I'm tired of the devil tearing up families. I'm tired of God coming in and then saying no, no, what? God is on the throne. 
God has already done the work. We're not waiting on him to do something. He's waiting on us to honor him with our faith. How many of you ever heard a little, little boy say this? I'll tell you what, my daddy, my daddy beat your daddy up. You just wait till my daddy gets here. There's going to be trouble. That's what David said. I don't know what all you got, but I know who I got. My God. Listen, it's not about parroting scriptures. It's about expecting something to happen. Oh, I got to read this. I wrote this down. This is pretty good. We are not dogs. We are not dogs. The enemy will call you a dog, tell you you're not worthy, tell you you are worthless, tell you that you have no self-esteem, no self-worth, you can't do anything, your life is ruined, there is no hope, there is nothing left for you. I'm telling you, he will beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. And if you're not careful, you'll start believing it. And I'm here today as a pastor to shake your world up, to get your thinking and say, hey, wait a minute, I am not a dog. I'm not going to take this in my life any longer. One man's faith changed a nation and the course of that nation, and I believe one church's faith in Ponca City, Oklahoma, can change our town, it can change our county, it can change our state, because if all of a sudden God starts doing it, other churches are going to go, we can do it too. Now somebody better give God a big hand. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 According to your faith. Your faith. And let me give you some ways to get some of this started. Number one, some faith steps. Because if you're going to work it, you've got to walk it. Number one, tune into God every day. We are listening to everything else in the world except God. Psalm 5.3 says this, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait, wishfully thinking. I wait with optimism. I wait, no, it says expectantly. Expectantly. I am expecting. Before you listen to everybody else, listen to God. What is God saying? Don't look at your Facebook or your Instagram or your Twitter to find out. Look to God, the author and the finisher of your faith. Before you hear all these other voices, hear the voice of God. God will direct you for you to have your best life. Start every day with worship. You may go, I can't sing. Not, not what I'm talking about. You don't have to sing. Just worship. Hallelujah. You're my king. You're my God. You're my father. You're my dad. I trust you. I expect. Your mood is set in the first 10 minutes of your day. Did you know that? The first 10 minutes sets your mood for the day. You need to be in control of that first 10 minutes. You need to be able to say, hey, this is the day the Lord has made. Not just on Sundays. Monday. I preached the message one time, the greatest miracles do not happen on Sunday. But they happen on Mondays. Because I've seen more people get healed on Monday. They can't come to church on Sunday because they're sick, but Monday morning, guess what? They can get up and go to work. Come on. Come on. Mm. 
Get up all in your business here. Start every day by meditating on God's Word. God's Word. Psalm 119.95 says this, The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. Look at Psalm 119.11-16. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. How would you rejoice if you got $10 million today? Okay, I got to up it. How would you rejoice if you got $100 million today? We're in a society that just, 10 million is nothing anymore. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Philippians 4.19 And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10.33 Sometimes you are public, per, publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Did you know that the church in the Hebrew writer's time they would be walking down the street and literally they would be hurled at with fruit, vegetables, insults. They had to go out two by two so they wouldn't get beat up as bad. It's not that bad in America yet. But we still need to stand side by side, don't we? Because my faith may encourage you, but tomorrow your faith may encourage me. We've got to trust God. Yeah. A few months ago, I had this little turn on a phrase, Godfidence. We need to have Godfidence. And I was writing out this message, and I, I hit the wrong key. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's not the wrong key, that's the right key. We need to have Sonfidence. S-O-N-F-I-D-E-N-C-E. -E. I'm a son of God. I need to have confidence in my father. I need sonfidence. I expect God to do things. Psalm 42, 11. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It doesn't matter how it looks, how it feels, how it smells. We got to trust God, allow God, and let God. Numbers 21, 17. Oh, you got to read this passage. I'm just giving you little nuggets today. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well. Sing about it. Remember that song? Spring up, O well, within my soul. That was a cute little song we used to sing in church. Did you know what the context of this is? These wells have been dug years and years before. And now they are dry. And you know what God says to do? He tells Israel, stand around these wells and say, spring up, oh well. Well, that's faith. You got a dry, dusty well, and you're going to stand there and go, spring up, spring up, spring up, and expect it to happen. How many of us got that kind of faith today? You got to work it. You got to stand in front of a dry well and go, spring up, I'm about to get wet. Spring up. There's a well that's fixing to spring up like a geyser. That's what God told them to do. Yeah. And guess what? Whenever you don't see anything but dryness and heartache and hardship, God's going to tell you, do you have confidence in me? Do you have confidence in your father today? I've been around some people that I call drainers. You ever heard of one of those in your life? 
no matter what's going on, you can't beat them. They've got a worse situation than you. You could be in a car wreck, arms broke, legs broke, ribs broke, and they'll come to visit you and tell you how bad they got it. Mm. It's hard to have faith around those kind of people. If you got a drainer in your life, they just bring you down. It's always the worst. You might want to get away from them for a little while, at least for 30 days. Choose your friends wisely. Choose those who build you up, who will cause your faith to get increased, who will challenge you to have great. there? Hey, don't want to lose faith. Faith 5 challenge. You have the card in your hand, right? Take it and hold it. Faith 5 challenge. Now for some of you, this is going to be real easy. I can do this. Not even a challenge. Wonderful. But for some of you, one is a challenge. Two is a challenge. Three is a challenge. Four or five. I want you to start wherever you are. Number one, commit to pray daily. And I'm not talking about you got to get on your knees and pray. I'm talking about just as you go through your day, pray. Okay? Commit to read God's Word daily. You don't have to read a whole book or a whole chapter. Maybe it's one or two verses. But you're reading God's Word and you're hiding it. Number three, commit to memorize verses about faith. My wife quoted a verse to me this week. Quote it to somebody. Make somebody your accountability partner and go, hey, have you learned a verse of Scripture this week about faith? Well, no. Well, it's Friday. you got two more days. Get it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We have stopped memorizing Scripture. Number four, commit to test God by tithing. We talked about the God challenge. Talked about all the people with testimonies. Listen, uh, there's another one I just got last week. A lady had a house in Alaska. Couldn't get it sold. Her family came against her. We started praying about this during the God Challenge. God sold that for more than what she was asking for. She got the money, and now all her family's come back around, and God's healed the family. And Isn't that wonderful how God did all of that? Test God. Number five, commit to fast from noon to noon, one day a week. Well, I can't do without food. Well, maybe you can do it without a television. If you need to take medication, and you need to take it with food, please do that. But there's lots of ways to fast. I want to talk about fasting for just a minute because I don't believe we have a very good understanding of fasting. In the Bible, <clears throat> there are lots of different kinds of fast. There's a Daniel fast. It's mainly just being a vegetarian for a while. But we're asking you to do without food from noon on one day till noon the next. It's only two meals. Two meals. I said it last Sunday. Look at your neighbor. And God, I think you can do it. I think my neighbor can. Yeah. You can miss two meals in one week. And during that time, here's the way fasting works. During that time, write something down specifically. Write it down. Because if we don't pray specifically, we will not know if God answers specifically. I can stand here today and go, well, God, I just want you to just bless people. How am I going to know if that happens? 
But if I say, God, I want you to do this for Mark, and then when it happens, I'll know God did it. I'm believing God to do this for Teresa. When it happens, I'll know that's an answer from God. So be very specific. Write it down. Hold it up. Put it in your heart. Put it in your purse. Put it in your back pocket. Whatever. And during that time of your fasting, continue to do your work. Continue to live life. But just keep that prayer on your mind as you're going through that 24-hour period. God, I'm really believing you're going to do this. I'm expecting something. I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm expecting. And you just pray about that. You keep it constantly and as a request, laying it in the presence of your Father. And I'm expecting you to do this. If you attempt something small, I guarantee your faith will increase when it happens. If you have great faith and you attempt something great, I guarantee you when it happens, your faith will become even greater. Because there is, I checked, there is no limit to how much faith you can have. It doesn't stop. It just keeps going. Today you may have enough faith to, to kill a, an ant. <laughs> and then later maybe a little bit, you know, and then you get to Goliath. You may not be at Goliath stage yet. So stay where you're at in your faith. If you're a new convert, stay with something that you believe that God can do. I expect God to do this. But if you're a, a seasoned man or woman of God, man, I'm believing for God to change. I'm believing for God to change me, change this church, and change our community. That's what I believe in. Man, I have vision. Wouldn't it be awesome one day? Wouldn't it be awesome one day instead of us having some 10 or 15 people gather on Grand Avenue for prayer for our nation that we had 5,000 people show up to pray for our city and our nation? 10,000 people, 20,000 people. We, we, we could have to go to the football stadium. Though that's not big enough. Where are we going to go now? We're going to go out to some pastures out north of town because it's just gotten too big. Hey, if our world can have Woodstock, come on. If our world can have Sturgis, why can't the church get together? Say, hey, nothing's impossible with God. I want to see that in Ponca City. I want to see the, the men and women of God in this town unite together instead of bickering and fighting between churches. Instead of trying to steal fish from each all the fish bowls, let's just get some brand new fish. How about that? And then all the fish we've got, let's make sure that we're increasing their faith. I want you to increase your faith. You're going to challenge me to increase my faith. My wife and I have already agreed upon something that is way bigger than us. Huge. We're believing, expecting. I want you to stand with me today. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.